0: Welcome everyone to episode five of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, the audio edition of Cloud Accounting Weekly, a free email update for accountants and controllers using cloud technology to improve efficiencies and make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I am your host, Blake Oliver, and I'm joined today by four guests. I have David Emmerman, uh, Amanda Aguilar, Ryan Watson, and Jay Kimmelman, who are all cloud accountants uh, that I've had the pleasure of knowing over the past few years, um, especially uh, working with Xero. They were some of the earliest adopters of cloud accounting technology in the country. So I'm really excited to have you guys here. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome.
0: So the way this works is I've selected four of my top stories from the past few weeks, and I'm going to share those stories with our listeners. Uh, and I'd love to get your take on this as uh, leaders in the space. So why don't we get right right to it? Number one, the case for the five hour workday. This is a story that appeared on the Zero blog. It's about Jonathan Elliott of Collins SBA, which is a a firm in Australia. And he had a family emergency where his uh, wife was diagnosed with stage three cancer, terrible situation. And um, he'd been a, a hard working accountant like most of us for his life, entire life. And um, now with this, uh, this issue, he, he really needed to uh, re-evalu- reevaluate his priorities and figure out how he could spend more time with his family and less time at the office. So he, uh, he got together with his team and they figured out that they could shave three hours off of their workday. So he himself went to a five-hour workday and he encouraged everyone else in the office to do this for a combination of fewer meetings, um, just being more efficient. Um, and I would love, Amanda, to get your take on this, as I know that you know you uh, personally have also striven for this work-life balance in, in this way.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting um, article because he went from a traditional firm model into stripping it down. Um, and... I conversely built my my practice basically on you know a five hour workday. As you know, I've got two kids and now two other businesses in addition to the firm. So um, I, I think he he makes some good points about you know just efficiency and working differently. It's not really about being less productive or getting less out of your day. It's about just being more efficient in the way you're doing work. And um, you know when I started my accounting firm in 2012. It was really the beginning of cloud adoption, but I, I, I couldn't have done it without, without technology. And now, you know, in 2018, it's, all this is so readily available. You know, we, when we do consulting with accounting firms, we're seeing this as one of the major motivators um, behind processes and, and retooling, retooling a traditional firm. Because you really don't have to be at the office for eight or ten hours a day anymore. And you can still have a, re- a viable accounting practice.
0: So, that, so that's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to know: are there any, you know, strategies that you used yourself um, in terms of dealing with client demands? Because those those come in, you know, 24 hours a day, right? So, if you want to have more balance, how do you how do you handle that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't I don't think that being in an office eight hours or 10 hours a day makes you any more available to clients than um, than having a, a shortened workday. Because, you know, just because you're in an office doesn't mean you're available to the client. You may have other meetings and other um, commitments. So, you know, we, we just make sure that we try to book in advance. Like, it's very hard when clients are expecting you to be available immediately on phone call. But I have, conversely, I have on my website, anybody can, can book a 15-minute Zoom with me at their at their leisure. So, so it's, it's just a different way of being available to clients.
0: Got it. Well, that's really interesting to hear your take. Moving on, number two, gauging the impact of automation on everyday life. This is a story that appeared in the Wall Street Journal that uh, I shared on on my LinkedIn, and I was really surprised at uh, how many, how many clicks it got. Uh, one of probably one of the most popular things that I've shared out. Um, and there was an interesting statistic in this uh, article. There was a recent Pew Research Center report um, that interviewed. Uh, surveyed Americans about uh, the nature of work and jobs and how those are going to be transformed by automation over the next few decades, um, and the one stat that stuck out to me is that 77% of Americans say that most jobs will be automated, but only 30% of Americans think that their own job is going to be automated during their own lifetime. So. Seems like there's a, a bit of a disconnect, potentially, in in, in there. And, and Ryan, I know you have some attention this, so I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah.
2: Well, isn't this – I love this stat, by the way. Isn't this just similar to, like, the, the stat where uh, the majority of Americans think they're above-average drivers or something like that? <laughs> um, same kind of idea that uh, – you know, and, and I've written a couple of things about this, honestly. And and if I you know speak to state societies, it's like the number one question that folks want to talk about, which is, to what degree do robots take over the world or take over our jobs? And you hear everything from, you hear opinions everywhere from, you know, in the very near future, it's going to replace all jobs, and we're all going to be out of work, uh, to uh, in the sort of medium term, it's going to be a huge boon for every industry, and we're all going to make a lot more money. And obviously, I think that, I mean, the reality is probably somewhere in between. I mean, two two opinions that I have, I mean, the, the reality is I think it's really difficult for us to wrap our head around the the uh, degree to which artificial intelligence <clears throat> will um, mature and, and the speed. But I'd say two opinions that I have. One, I'd say that for a whole host of reasons, um, it, it's it's a substantially more medium to long-term impact than I think a short-term impact. And I think the second thing is, I'd say where where we're going to see the majority of uh, advances are, you know, AI is really good in, in algorithms and machine learning. They're really good at taking sort of rules-based uh, tasks and computing them substantially quicker than humans are, right? And so to the extent that you're in a job that is primarily rules-based, so if we think about accounting and we think about tax preparation, AI sets up really nicely to um, tax preparation, but where... AI is sort of famously bad, at least to this point, is at things that are creative, things that are, you know, thinking outside the box, connecting uh, dots mm-hmm. in sort of disparate ways, building trust and serving that sort of last mile uh, in terms of like delivering service to another human being. And by and large, I think humans are always going to be, uh, or at least in the foreseeable future, uh, an important part of that. So I, I'd see, you know, a lot of services and a lot of industries looking more like a marriage between the two than, than a complete replacement. Of one versus the other.
0: So, do you think uh, accountants need to be concerned about this, or some like tax accountants, or
2: yeah, good question. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I would say mindful, maybe not concern. I, I think if your job, and again, if you're if if you are an accountant that is earning their living primarily by doing rules based, commodity oriented tasks, uh, whether it's you know reconciling financials or preparing ten forties, then. AI or not, I think cloud technology and automation are, are slowly uh, assuming some of these are your, your tests. I think you should be mindful of that. But if you're the accountant that are leveraging those things to perform you know, value-added advisory services and creatively helping drive decisions for your, for your, uh, your client, I think in the long run, AI is going to improve your margins and your efficiency more than it's going to take your lunch. So I'd say uh, sort of being aware uh, more than concerned. Got it. Well,
0: speaking of awareness, uh, the next topic is something that most accountants in this country are not even aware of, which is cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. I saw a recent survey in one of the, uh, I think it was Accounting Today, about how 50% of accountants when asked about cryptocurrency said, what's that? So, you know, that kind of makes sense. Doesn't surprise me too much knowing, knowing how slow the profession is sometimes to pick up on these trends. But if you're listening and you're not familiar with it, you should probably get to know Bitcoin because it's it's having quite the impact on the world of finance right now. And this article is uh, appeared on MarketWatch, and the title is what stuck out to me. It's Bitcoin Trader After a Discussion with His Accountant, F-Taxes, uh, and the sort of um, most important part of the story or the, the, I guess the takeaway from the story is that a ton of cryptocurrency traders have no idea that they owe massive, massive amounts of taxes on their gains. And there is a particular aspect of the way the IRS treats cryptocurrency, which can be potentially problematic. And Jay, I was wondering uh, if you could speak to that as, as, as a tax guy or somebody who has done taxes and, you know, I'm, I really have not, so I would appreciate the insight <laughs> that you may have. Make
2: it easier, my, yeah. So,
3: so this is one of those things I would prefer to have the robots calculate all of this for me because, you know, this is going to be really a lot of data entry is going to go into this because every trade you make is going to get impacted on the tax calculation, because you you purchase it. And then every time you buy something with Bitcoin, it's selling off little bits and pieces of it. And with every transaction, you either have a gain or a loss. And in the last, what, 12 months, it's gone up 13,000%. So it's had huge gains. And that is where the tax aspect is coming in right now. So people don't even know that they're gonna owe this huge amount of money, and I love the aspect of the person in the article. It's like, y'all yeah, just forget it. We're just not gonna tell our accountants, and we'll we'll hide behind a VPN and try to be anonymous. Well, that's great. The and this is gonna sound really weird because this is an oxymoron. The IRS, you know, they're starting to get the technology to weed out these transactions. And they're finding this information, so I wouldn't be surprised. Twelve to eighteen months after the returns are filed for these individuals, they get the dreaded CP letter from the IRS saying, "Hey, you owe fifteen, twenty, you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of taxes based on the transactions that you've had."
0: And, and the IRS has started uh, going after some of the bigger fish, right? Um, I heard that they yeah. they subpoenaed the records of Coinbase, which is one of the largest uh, exchanges. So now. They have all that information going back years, uh, and even yep. if it's, uh, and that's all because of the way Coinbase operates in the U.S., right? So they can tie exactly. wallet addresses, which are you know theoretically anonymous, to actual people. Um, so that's yep. that's a big problem, right? Um, and and yep. the other issue is that uh, right because the IRS doesn't um, doesn't well it's it's unclear whether or not the IRS will allow you to treat buying and selling different cryptocurrencies as a like-kind exchange, right? So, that's
3: true. That, that's uncertain right now. So, so
0: poten- potentially, what's what's the implication of that?
3: So so right now, it really had this huge impact in this last 18 months. So it's really coming to the, to the surface now. So it's going to have to be dealt with. And I would assume, I would have thought it would have been dealt with in the last bill. But in the next year or two, we're gonna have reporting on this. It's much much like stock trade. So probably in a ten ninety nine B or like uh, return. And I would expect to have full disclosure to the IRS on all these transactions moving forward. Well that's to be. A- so. There's like
1: there's it's hard to feel sorry for somebody who made thirteen hundred percent, you know, increase in a couple of months, right? Like you know, I don't really yeah. feel bad for the guy.
0: Well, so the real problem is, and I'm sure this actually happened uh, or is happening to somebody. It's, uh, let's say you bought low, you bought it at a thousand, say, or even lower, and then it went up to what, 20K, right? Bitcoin did. Uh, and you right. were trading back and forth at that level. Uh, and then that was in 2017. And then you stayed invested. And in 2018, it dropped to 10K. Right. If the if the IRS treats it doesn't accept like kind exchanges, then you could owe tax on the gain from twenty thousand to that. You know, from, from one thousand to twenty thousand, even though you only have ten thousand right now.
1: Right. right. Like, yeah. You'd have, all, no, you'd have to sell all
0: your. You'd have to sell your Bitcoin and all your. You're you're your, your done, right?
4: Potentially. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's
2: funny. Least,
4: go, go ahead, Dave. Go. So I mean, this really reminds me of the days uh, when people started jumping in and day trading. Right, so you know, except without the reporting that we have today for day traders. So I mean, it really is creating quite a, a potential um, data gap for these folks. And then on top of that, they're not necessarily prepared for what the tax impacts actually are. So you gotta, you just have a real, a real storm of things, you know, you know pieces coming together in once. That's going to be detrimental to these folks. Well, and I, you know another another uh, story. Just a quick
2: that you know we had a client who or a potential client who came to us with the uh, who was paying employees in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and so as as an employee now you have a a cryptocurrency that you are exiting the position of uh because you want cash and uh it's it's in, it's an interesting indictment on the idea of cryptocurrency as a currency rather than a security since we're taxing it like it's a security right. so it's creating this ridiculous uh administrative burden on all these employees who now have to track whatever short-term gain or loss they incurred on the week that they wanted to you know they held the the cryptocurrency and it wasn't even their decision so it's just an interesting it's an interesting time to to be you know playing in crypto
0: that is fascinating. I hadn't even thought of the implications of just people who receive it as payment, right? Mm-hmm. Not just people yeah. trading it. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we've got time for one more story, uh, which is actually a video on YouTube uh, by The Verge. They got a, an exclusive inside look at Intel's new smart glasses. And uh, this isn't anything new in that we have seen Google Glass and that totally failed and flopped. but. The big thing about uh, these glasses is they actually look kind of normal. So uh, David, I'm wondering, because you and this guy kind of look alike, would you wear these? <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, you know, it's funny. Being uh, being somebody who loves technology and loves to uh, play with whatever I can get my hands on, I probably would. Um, you know, it's funny because in the video I, I heard a talking point around whether or not we actually have to deal with this from a social perspective and whether or not, um, you know, we have to kind of build some rules around how we actually interact with folks that are wearing these, um, for even just from a social perspective, right? So client comes into the office, you're sitting down talking to them, you know, I have these glasses on, I'm reading all my notifications that are coming in all day long. Am I really paying attention to what the client's telling me? And what is that relationship and that dynamic? How is that changing things, right? So I think we have to take a lot of responsibility upon ourselves that, you know, to be upfront with folks and really actually be engaged with them um, when we're actually talking to them, right? I mean, you could also, I mean, same scenario where you're on a conference call and you're working on the side, right?
0: Yep. Oh, well, none of us have ever done that, right? I'm sure all of you are riveted to your computer screens right now. You're not doing anything else, right? <laughs> I can't tell, of course. Exactly. Um, Absolutely not. So the, uh, <laughs> the, you know, what's the use case for the accounting world for this? And I, 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 I came up with one which, uh, which might really help in social settings. Is imagine if this thing also had a camera and it could do facial recognition on all the people you're meeting at conferences and tell you their names, right? Like actually display their names above their heads. I, for one, would love that. Uh, you know, that's certainly, the most awkward aspect of, of, of you know, going to conferences. I'm sure for many accountants is, is that issue. Um, and I'm wondering if any of you like, are there any potential applications though in our actual profession, like uh, you know auditing or like? Because what this thing does is it it, it actually writes with a low powered laser beam on your retina, so it's displaying. It can display anything in your field of vision. Uh, which is which is pretty cool, like overlaid on the real world. Any ideas? Yeah, so I
1: mean Yeah, you gotta think I was gonna say auditing. I mean you gotta think on like field visits, site visits and audits, but that would be helpful, right? Like you're looking at something and comparing it to what is on a, a financial statement. Yeah, you know, or a detail.
3: Yeah, inventory
1: observations.
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe you could read the, uh, the barcodes on the inventory and then tell you what it is without you having to look look down at a list or something like that. I can see, I can see that. Very good. Well, guys, I really uh, want to thank you for, for joining the podcast today. And I know that you four have a new project. So uh, I, I was wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit about this Blue Wire strategy
4: group. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we really appreciate your time today, Blake, and really appreciate the invite to come on. Um, you know, blue wire was basically born out of the, the thought process that we were looking around and talking to a lot of accountants and, you know, there's, there's an overwhelming, um, excitement about moving a practice and trying to, you know, modernize or retrofit your practice into, um, a lot of the, a lot of the other thought leaders that are out there, they've already kind of gone through a, a journey and, and accomplished that. And it was interesting to see that a lot of times folks um, get again super excited about that transition, um, but don't necessarily have a great path to that transition, right? So Blue Hour is basically born out of the fact that you know when people kind of have a little bit of a failure to launch, here's a support system with experienced professionals that have gone through this and have done it repeatedly not only you know not only with others but for ourselves and built a lot of that stuff for ourselves um, why not leverage their their actual experience um, and go ahead and, and have them help with a lot of the operational pieces that are challenges for for business owners because they're, they're a lot of times frankly busy working on what they need to do every day supporting their clients right so that's where it was kind of born out of Um, you know we all have different experiences and you know my experience was coming from a very traditional practice and and taking that journey to being you know what we what we kind of consider cloud accountants at this point Um, you know and and the rest everybody else on the team has kind of gone through it under different paths right so um, and I'll let them speak for themselves but you know I think one one of the thing that that's cool about the group is that you know we have different starting points so for for folks that we're working with we can understand and empathize where they're coming from very easily right and we don't you know it's it's a point of being able to transition that empathy into an actual project that you can be successful at
0: well that's great so um, so like let's say I I'm, I'm an accountant and I've heard about the cloud but I, I, I want to move my practice there, right? So I could just you know, give you guys a call and, and, and you know what happens next? Where how do, I, uh, how do I get in touch with you? What should I do?
4: Yeah yeah, absolutely. So our website's on the screen right now, so you can always ping us through there. Um, you know, Blue Wire we'll... Strategy,
0: Bluewirestrategy.com, for those who are listening on the podcast uh, can't see our screens. always got to remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Um, See,
4: we're we're so used to being on video, we we, we take it for we take advantage of that sometimes. Um, so yeah, you can reach out that way. You can also reach any one of us on social. Um, you know, we're always usually out there, out and about, um, posting stuff. So you know, that's that's probably the best way to go about looking for us. Um, you know, one of the things that I would certainly think about. Um, we actually do a pretty big deep dive and assessment on folks to make sure that it's a really good fit for both sides uh you know and I, in that area in that time period in that due diligence phase you know we're really getting deep into the practice and you know ripping the covers off and seeing what's underneath it um you know i think that's that's something that you know before you actually go and take the the step to take on a consultant to help with some of these supporting roles or some of these projects you really need to make sure that you know what you're going after and what you're trying to accomplish. Awesome.
0: Well, that's great. So for all of you listening, uh, check out BlueWireStrategy.com. strategy.com, get in touch with Dave, Jay, Ryan, and Amanda, and I'm sure they will uh, help you uh, figure out where, where you can go and where you need to go. I, I've had a, a great It's just been great knowing all four of you over these past few years and i'm so excited to to see uh what's next awesome thanks blake absolutely um so i should finish up by pitching my own project cloudaccountingweekly.com that's my newsletter for accountants and uh, controllers who want to make a a difference using technology. Um, Topics include that, automation, remote work, managing a remote team, a modern accounting team. Uh, Basically anything I find interesting as an accountant obsessed with technology to get rid of the crap that has historically been part of our job. I think we can all agree that accounting needs less crap. (laughs) So thank thank you again to my guests and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, And you can check out flowcast.com if you're interested those management software and visit my blog online at blakeoliver.com thanks again for uh, for joining me guys and uh, and i hope to see you again soon thanks for having us blake. thanks blake, Thank you. Thanks, blake. See you soon, blake.